0: Welcome to the 5 More Minutes Podcast. Okay, friends, so this is podcast number two, and I have to say I'm kind of blown away by your response because um, just after one episode, we are in the top ten of education podcasts on iTunes. So I'm totally blown away, and um, so I'm so excited to, um, to to share with you today's podcast because today what we're talking about um, is basically is, is you guys, your voices. Um, after the five more minutes video that was released earlier in the month, um, I invited people to, to share their stories about how um, inclusion has affected them and how it has changed over time. So today on the podcast, I'm going to read to you some stories and messages that, uh, that you've sent me. So my first email that I'm going to share is from Charmaine, and this is what she has to say. Uh, Hi Shelly! I love how concise and powerful your first video is for five more minutes. It's so interesting how my teaching career has followed this evolution. In the early 1970s, I I was in college and visited local institutions um, in Pennsylvania, so she has in brackets, exclusion, absolutely, um, just like the photos you see, beds that look like cages side by side, row after row, young kids lying there with no one talking to them, absolutely no stimulation, no books, toys or music, oh my goodness, 1970s was not, I mean, I was born in the 70s, Charmaine, this is, this is not that long ago, uh, she goes on to say, my first job after graduating with a special education and elementary degree, Um, My first job was as a para in a segregated school in Colorado in 1976. The staff was wonderful, dedicated, and caring. They presumed each and every student was competent. However, they were still in a school without any students without disabilities, so they were totally segregated. Um, And I think this this is so much the case in so many places around the world, Charmaine. So you have exclusion, segregation, let's keep going. After being a para in the segregated school for a semester, the district decided to open a classroom in an elementary school for some of the higher functioning, in quotation mark, students. I was hired as a teacher in 1977. I remember meeting the general education teachers in the elementary school, assuring them that all students would be with me and they didn't have to worry about, quotation my students being in their class in fact the students with disabilities had a separate class for music art and PE the only time they were with their peers were for lunch and for recess so Charmaine has in brackets integration in that one which I totally agree with Um, but I think this is really interesting because you're totally right like this is like your career is evolution okay let's keep going In 1986, I transferred to a school district closer to my home and was a Significantly Limited Intellectual Capacity Teacher. S-L-I-C. What an acronym? Significantly Limited Intellectual Capacity Teacher and Resource Teacher. Most of the students were with me for most of the day. Some students were mainstreamed. Um, We were taking some baby steps to belonging. The next year, I became an inclusion facilitator and supported students in general education classes. Disabled students were beginning to break through the closed doors, and we are at inclusion. We are getting closer. Oh my goodness, this is so exciting. Next, I transferred and became a general education teacher and was then in a position to welcome students with disabilities and prove to myself and others that yes, good teaching is good teaching, and there is no prerequisite to belonging. Charmaine, that is so true. My son, Dylan, was born in 1988. He happens to also have Down syndrome. Norman Kuntz, Herb Lovett, Judith Snow, and Kathy Snow entered my world. Inclusion was the only dream for Dylan. When Dylan was three, we couldn't reach agreement about Dylan going to a community preschool. We filed for due process and settled in mediation. Dylan began his school career as one of the only kids in a fabulous community preschool and continued being included, even as he took college classes from 2007 to 2011 at the University of Colorado in Colorado Springs. Now, as a professional advocate, I get the chance to support other parents as they continue to ask for their children to be seen as competent learners that have so much to contribute to our communities. What is the next step in the inclusion of the evolution of inclusion? Well, maybe we'll have finally one education system that will see each and every student as capable, build on their strengths, interests, and the term marginalized student will be a thing of the past. We will all have to keep on keeping on. Thank you, Shelley, for your passion and commitment to students. Take care, Charmaine. Oh, my goodness. Charmaine, you've lived it. You've lived it all. Um, and so she's also in, Charmaine has also included a link here to she has written a book. Um, it's called uh, The Art of Advocacy, and I am going to post a link to that because let me tell you, you have stories to tell. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think uh, your experience is is incredible and you've seen it. You've seen, you've seen the evolution. So friends, look up Charmaine. And uh, I will post her link. She's a speaker, she's a collaborative educator, she's a parent, she's an advocate. Okay, so the next email I'm gonna read is from an individual named Melissa. Um, this one's close to home. She lives in British Columbia. She's a UVic student. Um, pre-service teacher and she is a person with a disability so this is a new perspective so this is what she has to say hello my name is Melissa I wanted to let you know how much your ideas have resonated with me I'm a fourth year UVic elementary education student and I am also a person with a disability I have both mild cerebral palsy and epilepsy I wanted to thank you for all the wonderful work you are doing for people with exceptionalities I do a lot of public speaking and I'm on several local and provincial advisory committees And I often refer to your ideas when I'm talking to people about disabilities. Thank you, Melissa. I love your bowling pin analogy and also your presumed competence video. I'm on a UVic team that provides workshops and support to people with autism and other disabilities. And I was asked to give some insight to parents about what I feel has gotten me to where I am today. So I wrote an article, which also makes reference to your work. And I have included the article in case you would like to see it. Um... I, I have just heard they will be posting the article on the BC Epilepsy Association's website, so I hope that is okay. I referred to you in the article. Um, and yes, thank you. Thank you, Melissa. And I will post that article for everyone to look at. In regards to your Evolution of Inclusion video, I agree that things are getting better, but I think there is still a long way to go, especially in larger institutions. Oh, absolutely agree. They often profess that they are inclusive, but when it comes right down to it, in my experience, this isn't always the case. As I am transitioning into adulthood, I'm finding that life is becoming less and less inclusive. I think that there is a real need for mentors and way more training in regards to disability awareness. When I was in school, a few teachers were wonderful at getting me to be truly included in the class activities, but most were very unaware of how to do this, even if they wanted to. For most of my school years, the dot picture that fit my experience the best is the integration model. I was in the class physically, but not fully. A sad but true story is that in my grade 8 phys ed class, I was told that I would slow everyone else down, so I was left to do physio at the side of the gym, while everyone else did phys ed. I didn't really mind, though, because he wasn't really a good phys ed teacher, either. So in my article, I talk about my grade 1 teacher who got me to use little alphabet stamps instead of taking the time to teach me how to print. You ask what the next step in your dot model should be, and I would like to say that it would be that every dot is green, but that there is no differentiating between people. We all have things to work on, and every person's learning experience should be personalized and made to fit their needs. One thing that always bothers me is that often I will make a mistake and right away people decide that I can't do it because I have a disability. Whereas someone without a disability may make the same mistake and be given several more opportunities to improve and succeed. I think it is a matter of changing people's mindsets. Labels should not get in the way of what we can do. Oh my goodness, Melissa. Thank you so much for sending that in because I think sometimes we talk a lot about people with disabilities, um, and so I think that your voice is is really critical here. So thank you for sending that in, um, and I'm and I'm so happy to include that. I will also uh, I will link your article to um, to the website or to the podcast so that other people can read from and and learn from your experience. So thank you, Melissa. Okay, I think we have time for one more Um, and I think this one I'm going to share, her name is Tanya and I think it's really important to hear Tanya's story because we talk a lot about inclusion and I think it's really important to remember that there's a lot of places that aren't inclusive. So this is from Tanya, Um, hello Shelly, I'm loving your videos and vlog. I have a 14 year old daughter with various learning and health challenges. McKenna is very high functioning in some areas and needs a lot of support in others. She just started grade nine high school, and we're finding it to be a very, very segregated and exclusive environment. There's a special needs hall where no one else comes through, special needs class to eat lunch. None of her friends are in her regular class. She gets out of class 15 minutes early and leaves school at the end of the day 15 minutes early. No one in the school barely sees her. I'm very disappointed in this school's view of inclusion, and I would love to hear some ideas that you have to help us out. Tanya, thank you for sharing that. Um, I think that, you know, sometimes we forget that this is still very much the case in many places, and so I think it's important to hear your story and, and your daughter's story, um, because it's 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 not okay, and I think part of um, the strategies that we're sharing on this podcast and and with the website is for exactly parents like you and for schools like you to, to say like, well, how can we move this over time because not everybody is even close to inclusion. And I think that's why um, I think that's why this conversation is really important. So Tanya, shout out to you, keep fighting, Um, um, know that you're supported and that uh, use these videos, use these strategies um, because they're designed exactly for situations like you and your daughter. So thank you, Tanya okay one more one more this was the very first email i got it was like sent to me like four seconds after the the video was released her name is rachel and she um emailed in direct response to the question What is the next evolution of inclusion? And what's really interesting is I've received a lot, like like, not even necessarily emails, but just through conversation of what people think the next evolution is. And everyone I hear, I was just like, oh man, that's such a good idea. But I've already filmed the episode for that. So now I'm like, Cousin Paul, we're going to have to film a whole other episode about all the possible iterations of what the next evolution is. So this is what Rachel says about evolution. What's next? She says, Equity, period. The next stop on the inclusion journey is equity. It's not having any green dots. It's about having all the dots be unique and to be fully included together in a community. I'm a parent in the Pittsburgh public school system in Pennsylvania and I saw you speak at a PDE conference in the spring. I brought this idea back to the superintendent whose big vision for the district is equity and I said, we cannot achieve equity without inclusion. It's absolutely a process. Uh, thanks for the YouTube channel. I can't wait to share the videos with my son's school team from Rachel. Rachel, thank you so much. And the, and the reason why I love this one is because um, I had this conversation yesterday. I was in Rochester um, speaking with some self-advocates. And, you know, we talk about equity and we talk about diversity, but so often disability is, not, is still not part of that conversation. You know, we talk about the importance of diversity of culture and language and race, but... We don't still, we still very much don't see disability as identity, we still see it as deficit. And so I totally agree with you, if we're really going to talk about equity and diversity, we have to start including disability as something that we need as a contribution. neurodiversity is just as important as ever, as anything else and um I had an opportunity to interview an exceptional young man yesterday um who I think is just absolutely brilliant and has not been afforded the same opportunities that other people have um because because of segregation and exclusion so that's going to be coming up on a later podcast so Rachel I'm going to end with you because I think that you are spot on and um this is the direction that I'm leaning into friends. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Um, send me your emails because I want to include stories from you because this, we all have a story and we all have, we're carrying with us the entire history of our world. And I think how we're going to make inclusion move is by sharing our stories. This podcast wraps up the last content for this month. Um, so this will be the structure for future, for future months. So week one will be the five more minutes video Week two will be podcast one, which will be interviews with um, individuals, experts, parents, teachers, um, self-advocates to to really hear the stories. Week three will be a video strategy, and week week four will be stories from you. So thank you for all of you who sent emails. I'm sorry if I wasn't able to get to you, but please know that even if I don't respond, I absolutely read every single email um, because they're just such incredible stories. And uh, yeah, I... Our next uh, content will be released on November 5th, which will be the next 5 more minute video theme. So, stay tuned, and I will see you soon. The Five More Minutes Podcast is produced by Shelly Moore and Paul Madsen. And you can find us on iTunes and Spotify and Podbeam and YouTube. So all of the platforms. So uh, make sure you, you subscribe and like and download and do all the things. Leave a review um, because that we're making we're making move and we're making change. And so uh, keep coming together. Keep sending me your stories. And I can't wait to see you in about a week. See you later!